0: Hey, no name-calling here. Just differing opinions going head-to-head with Counterpoint. Here's Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.
1: Got lots to talk about. Let's get to it. We've got Omar Khan, VP over at Hill & Knowlton Strategies, and Michael Diamond, campaign strategist and political commentator over at Upstream Strategy Group. Hello, guys. Hello. How are you? Well, you know, it's been, um, a few very heavy days. There's no way to get around it. Um, you know, take this stuff very personally. Being a Jew, married to a Jew and, you know, going into hall, you know, you go into the synagogue and you go in with armed guards because you have to, but that's the reality of the world we live in. And then you hear that 11 are killed, which is. A nightmare you know on the day of rest they are shot and killed here is the um, here's one official in Pittsburgh talking about how he believes that we should look at this
2: anti-semitism has absolutely no place in our Commonwealth any attack on one community of faith in Pennsylvania is an attack against every community of faith
1: in Pennsylvania That is the Pennsylvania governor talking. And there had been some conversation that uh, Jewish groups did not want the president to go. But the rabbi who was in attendance on Saturday, Rabbi Jeffrey Meyer, said, I am a citizen. He is my president. He is certainly welcome. Michael, look, you can blame Mr. Trump for a lot of things. There's lots of things you can kick him around on. You can't kick him around because one guy was so hateful to Jews that he wanted to kill them.
2: Look, it, nobody blamed Barack Obama, and they were right. People were right to not blame Barack Obama when the uh, shooting occurred in uh, Charleston, South Carolina, at a Black Baptist church. Uh, blaming any leader or media figure on something like this, you can't blame others for the action of one. So, uh, what happened on Saturday, obviously deplorable. The president does have a role to fill, and I don't think he's rising to the occasion. Right. And that's his healer, ch- healer in chief. Even bad presidents like Bill Clinton, who I think was a rapist, uh, was a good healer in chief after Oklahoma City and other tragedies. Yep. Every president's been good at that. This president doesn't even attempt to try, uh, but can't blame him for what happened.
1: No, you can't blame him, but, but I think Michael's right, Omar. Um, the tone means everything, especially in something like this. Um, and, and one thing he did do is flirt with the alt-right and give them some legitimacy a couple of years ago, and he has not ever really come out and absolutely denounced that. And now would be a good time to do that.
0: Yeah and instead of doing that what he's done today is repeated uh some of the rhetoric that uh this maniac uh used in social media posts before he went in and, and committed this heinous crime particularly in in referring uh to those uh to to those migrants coming in from Guatemala the, the so-called caravan as invaders. Uh that's exactly the language uh that this person used and, uh, and so he's repeated that he also repeated the notion today that you know the media are the enemy of the people, uh, which has been used by, uh, by by another maniac who was well, sending those, those those pipe bombs or or or, or 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 package bombs in the mail uh, to CNN and, right. and other uh, and, and some high profile Democrats. So, yeah,
1: and tr- and Trump uh, has to stop doing that. That is just not yeah. it's not moving the ball forward. It's not helping. Um, here is that Rabbi Jeffrey Meyer speaking today.
2: The President of the United States is always welcome. Um, I'm a citizen. He's my president. He's certainly welcome.
1: So this is a guy that witnessed uh, unbelievable carnage. Um, But what I know about the Jewish faith is that they will find the silver lining uh, to this. There's no question they will find a silver lining in this.
2: Well, look, uh, good for uh, Rabbi Meyer. Absolutely, the president uh, should be welcome at uh, to, to visit and pay respects and condolences and help heal the community, no matter who that president is or what party they're from and in which region of the country it is. So it's it's very good to see the rabbi not making this political because that would only uh, make the healing process uh, m- much much worse. So th- this is a good first step, and hopefully the president will come and actually start the healing process.
1: Yeah, and one of the areas you know um, that this has been given life is social media. So two. Two separate studies have found that anti-Semitic images and and other posts on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook over the years has absolutely spiked. And if you do, I guess, a Google search, nearly 30% of the 7.5 million tweets analyzed were from bots or automated accounts that are designed to push anti-Semitic content. But... We know that there are people online that are saying stuff. You've got uh, Louis Farrakhan. I don't know if we've got that clip that you can pull up, Michael. We've got people that are online pushing causes like BDS and this nonsense. And they, for some reason, are not shut down by Twitter. Take a listen. I wonder, will you see the satanic Jew and the synagogue of Satan, which has many races in it, because Satan has deceived the whole world. Nice. Okay, and that's not the first time. Like that's just one of his many, many anti-Semitic uh, posts, um, Omar. But if 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 we really want to combat anti-Semitism, Twitter and social media have got to do a better job. Period.
0: Yeah, I totally agree. And Louis Farrakhan is an anti-Semite, and he's got no place on social media.
1: Yet he's there. Uh,
0: and as you know, and I, I would I would draw a comparison to Faith Goldie, who recently ran uh, for for mayor of Toronto. Who has said that all Muslims should be expelled from Bethlehem? Mm -hmm. And went on the Daily Stormer website, which is a neo-Nazi podcast. Uh, You know, the one thing I will say, and again, I'm not drawing a direct link between President Trump uh, and this issue, but it is interesting that I think there was a 30% increase in the U.S. uh, in anti-Semitic incidents, reported Mm -hmm. anti-Semitic incidents uh, following the 2016 election, presidential election, and there was a over a 50% increase in 2017. Uh, So there's not necessarily a causal relationship there but it does show that the issue is is is, is rising exponentially and I, and I don't think the president uh is playing an appropriate role here in terms of trying to Trying to manage this manage this down. And, I,
1: I, well, the one thing I will give him credit, he is using much tougher language than any other president. Actually, calling out anti-Semitism and 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 the hate. I mean, he's calling it what it is, Michael.
2: Look, I mean, just I want to just uh, rewind here one, one second because the uh, focus on censorship isn't going to move the needle. We can right. we can remove uh, Louis Farrakhan from Twitter. That's not going to remove Louis Farrakhan. So I think sunlight is actually the right antidote to people like Louis Farrakhan or Al Sharpe. I'm not uh, into it either, you know, but again
1: if you're going to hang out with guys like that, they go to celebrity, uh, you know, funerals, and they're hanging out with politicians. You're basically endorsing and saying that's okay to think yeah, the way you well, do. And so, I think,
2: and and then then you have to look at someone like Bill Clinton, who shared a stage with Al Sharpton, yes. and you have to ask why would Bill Clinton? Because Bill Clinton, absolute terrible, absolutely disgusting human being. Bill Clinton, one of the worst people to ever grace that office, but not a racist, not a racist at all, not a not a bigot. Why would he have shared a stage with Al Sharpton? I mean, yeah, so you, you, you got to get judged. By the company you keep, absolutely, and be cognitive of, of the company you keep. But um, censorship isn't the solution here. Uh, sunlight and exposure of these people. That I believe, is the I
1: believe absolutely in making sure that the hate is wide out, white out in the open. But at the same time, Omar, I mean, we are seeing Twitter and social media shut down some voices. It's just Fair. they're very selective with who they shut down. So it's yeah, either no, all no, or we, nothing. We actually
0: have laws in Canada. We have, we have no. hate laws in Canada that that uh, stipulate that that it is that you. You you cannot actually uh, spread hatred towards an un, towards an identifiable group. Now I think in recent years the courts have kind of narrowed the scope of that to focus on uh, advocating violence towards an identifiable
2: group. That's appropriate.
0: But, and, and and you know I I think that should be the line. To be honest, I I think violence should definitely be the line where you know if you cross that line you you have no place in society. Um, but you know I kind of agree with Michael too. I think I think it's incumbent upon us. Uh, to uh, actively call out people uh, like Farrakhan, and you know, I would say people like Faith Goldie, who are who are advocating. politician,
1: any politician that ha- promotes and helps BDS would be on my list. I find it highly offensive. You know, I I,
0: I would speak out against that as well. I I, I think that is selective criticism of of Israel Mm -hmm. uh, while not criticizing others in the region probably is spurred by a certain element uh, or or anti-Semitism in in some case. I I, I think it's legitimate to criticize certain policies of the state of Israel, but when you single them out for special attention without doing the same for other countries in the region, that probably is, uh, there is an element of anti-Semitism behind that.
1: All right. You at last point to you, Michael. Oh, fine?
2: yeah, a- a- absolutely. Look, the, uh, the selective censorship of Twitter, uh, where you kick off a guy like Roger Stone, but allow Louis Farrakhan and Al Sharpton uh, free range, uh, definitely there is a uh, scale that is tilted against
1: conservatives. Yeah. All right, let's take a quick break here, and when we pick up the conversation, we'll find out if everyone's cool with the government having access to all your most pertinent financial information. I'm just telling my bank now. If I find that out, I'll be moving my business. And I think a lot of other people will, too. We'll talk about that coming up next here on Point. I'm Alex Pearson, and this is Global News Radio.
2: Hey, no name calling here. Just differing opinions
0: going head to head. With Counterpoint, Counterpoint. Counterpoint. here's Alex Pearson
2: on
1: Global News Radio. Time for Counterpoint. we got Omar Khan and Michael Diamond joining us. Let's talk a little bit about uh, something that quietly came out on a Friday. This was a story dug up by Global News' uh, David Akim Stats Canada will be telling, they aren't even asking banks, the banks will have to, nine of them across the country, um, for financial transactions, data, personal banking information of half a million Canadians, and they don't tell the people who they are. Um, the prime Minister was asked about this in question period today as to why they are taking personal information and why they are not telling people and this was the prime minister's answer.
2: Need I remind you and all Canadians uh, that it was the conservative government that chose to stop the long-form census, to cancel the long-form census uh, as a way of uh, protecting people's private information. What that led to was more policy based on ideology and less policy based on evidence like we are doing now.
1: Well, okay. The reason Harper did not like the census because he felt that the government was overreaching and getting too much access to personal information, Mike. Uh, do you have a problem giving up your uh, banking information?
2: You know, I might not have a problem giving up my banking information. I certainly have a problem with my bank giving up my banking information. So <laughs> ask me directly. I'll tell you. I could tell you exactly to the penny what's in there. Unfortunately, it's not enough, but uh, or as much as I'd like it to be. But uh, the bank shouldn't be the uh, merchant of my data. It should be incumbent on the government and myself.
1: Right. But StatsCan has the power, and Omar, they can use it, and they plan to it. The only reason we know about this, I'm sure of it, is that this got a leak out of the bank side saying, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Because they're in a terrible position here. Their job is to protect people's privacy. And the government is essentially saying hand it all over. So what do you do?
0: So listening to that uh, response from the prime minister having worked in politics, (laughs) that's the type of response you give. Uh, when actually answering the question, probably isn't very politically palatable. Yeah. Uh, you know, I would say that's a lot. <laughs> so StatsCan has a has a vital role to play. Um, my only my only hope, and I, and I suspect this is happening, is that the government and StatsCan would work very closely with the Information and Privacy Commissioner of Canada to ensure that uh, all of this data is anonymized before it is shared with anybody.
1: Well, the privacy Commissioner, the former one, uh, Anne Kabuki, and she's horrified by this. I mean, the fact is, it's not that you're taking the information. It's, you're not even telling anybody whose information you're taking. To me, it's just a very big violation of, really, information that they don't need to have. Why yeah, do they need it, to have it? it?
0: You know, if, if I were working there, and I'm not, but if I were working there, I would uh, quietly have a chat with uh, the folks over at StatsCan uh, and ask them to bring in somebody like Ann Kavukian, uh, or somebody with some very solid, uh, privacy chops, uh, and try and figure out a way to do this, uh, that, uh, you know, give, gives the public a sense of confidence. Uh, that uh, all safeguards are being put in place here to make sure that their privacy remains anonymous and safe.
2: Yeah. Well, and first, let's explain what the, uh, yeah, like what why the interest do you want in the national money, good. Yeah, what what, what's in the national for? good on this? Exactly. Let, let, let's, let's start with that. I think Omar is right. If you feel that there is a need, you build that case. That, but why not that just make it a,
1: voluntary then? Because
2: well, well that, would, that I guess wouldn't uh, I'm sure there's accomplish. half a million
1: Canadians who love the census, that they'd want to be a part. I'm not one of them.
2: Yeah, I'd fill it out. Uh, I would if they asked me. Absolutely, I but would. But don't
1: forget, StatsCan also had a data breach, or not even a data. They lost uh, documents in the 2016 census. Someone left half the files on the TTC. Another one let them get blown away in the wind. So you know, I
2: left a half a <laughs> bottle of Cherry Cook Zero on the TTC last week, and I'm still pretty upset about it. Yeah, well. um, I, I think
0: the idea here is that before StatsCan even gets the data, the banks would have to anonymize it.
1: Yeah, well, yeah, the bottom line is it'll be interesting to see how the They could partner bike. with Thanks, uh, <laughs> Equifax on that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about, um, well, the Toronto Sun had to remove an opinion piece, and I'm glad they did from its webpage, that uh, had urged readers to consider both sides of the vaccine debate. And I can't believe we're talking about this again, but this was Dr. Ken Walker, who was writing under a pseudonym. Um, no stranger to controversy. In fact, he's been stripped of his you know, credentials to practice because of what he suggests. And, you know, the fact is it got to print and the last thing we want is confusion when it comes to this issue.
2: Yeah, I mean, that it was uh, published under a pseudonym, I think, tells you all you need to know on this. I do think there is a role for dissent, even on things that... We all disagree on, and I'm going to go get my flu shot. Uh, you know, sometime this week because I think it's important and it's something I do every year. Uh, I have friends who wouldn't let me see their kids if I didn't. So it's certainly... <laughs> that's
1: not they... the reason. They t- that, that's just the excuse. They <laughs>
2: <mean>. <laughs> but uh, hey, there's a needle for that now. But uh, I, I'm going to go take care of that. I believe it's important. I believe everyone who's healthy enough to do it should should get this done. But I, I don't get terribly offended when people. Well, you don't, I but I, I, as
1: a parent, I think parents get terribly offended when when kids are showing up not vaccinated, putting others at risk. It's a big issue if you've got kids in the system, um, Omar. Your thoughts?
0: Yeah, and you know, I, I, I'm going to give The sign to Mulligan. I, I know their their editor uh, uh, in chief very well. As, as and she
1: stripped too. it down pretty quickly and without, she yeah, down
0: pretty quickly. Yep. And I know that they're, res- they're you know they're responsible actors. Uh, my only my concern here is that Ontario. You know, uh, I, I worked for a previous minister of health in Ontario, and I know that Ontario's uh, child vaccination rates are actually pretty low. Mm-hmm. Uh, already, as compared to the rest of the country. Yeah, that's And putting out stuff like this under pseudonyms and not explaining all the facts, it doesn't really help, right? Yeah. So there's a role for people to argue based on science. Uh, but I think if they were going to place an op ed like this, they should have placed right next to it uh, an op ed by perhaps the, the, the chief public health officer of Ontario, uh, which would have made a strong case. Uh, with with the opposite argument.
1: Yeah. Well, uh, reminds me to get my flu shot tomorrow. Get that done. All right, guys, got to leave it there. appreciate it. Thank you. My pleasure. Thank you. That's Michael Diamond joining us and Omar Khan for tonight's Counterpoint. I'm Alex Pearson. This is Global News Radio.
0: You're listening to On Point with Alex Pearson on Global News Radio.